0: Well, this morning uh, I thought I'm, uh, I would uh, share a, a little message um, and I've titled it Making Adjustments, Surrendering Control to Experience Transformation. And so what I'm going to talk about over the next half hour is, is, is a, I'm going to talk about change. I'm going to talk about making adjustments. You know, life is... is um, is such that we have to make changes, we have to make adjustments. But this morning what I'm going to do is kind of bring that into our walk with God, bring that into um, our our relationship, our communion with God. Uh, Making changes, I'm sure you know, is something that you, you you, you have to do quite regularly as you make your way through life. Has has anybody anybody here this morning kind of lived your life so far and never, ever made any adjustments, ever changes, never made any changes? So you know what I'm talking about. We always have to make these adjustments, make these changes. And even as a community of people in this church, we are required to do the same thing. We have to constantly be looking and trusting God and asking God about where we need to make changes, where we need to make adjustments. You know, in moments like today, when God brings uh, changes to circumstances, making adjustments is a necessary thing to do. Eugene and Marcel have, you know, they've just been like, um, churches have pillars in them. People who become pillars, They, 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 they really add a great and strong support to that church community. And Eugene and Marcel are two of those people. They've just made a tremendous contribution to the life of our church. Um, And Eugene especially in helping us get renewed off the ground, helping us start this church community. He's made a contribution, a huge contribution to the leadership of our church. But now they're going. And so we're going to have to make some adjustments. We're going to have to make some changes. But you know, for anyone who lives according to the Spirit, they're going to have their minds set on the things of the Spirit. And the main role of the Holy Spirit is to affect change. And very often, change requires us to give up something. Yeah? If if there's a change that's happening in our life, if there's some adjustments that have to be made, then we normally have to let something go. You know, we, we, we got to move on. We got to leave the city we live in. We might have to leave some possessions or give some possessions away. Change might mean that, you know, there's a lifestyle change that's got to happen. I've got to leave that behind and take on something new. Maybe it's certain habits in my life that have to change. Jesus said this in Luke 14, 33. He said, those of you who do not give up everything you have, cannot be my disciples. It's quite an outrageous statement that he makes. Those of you who do not give up everything that you have cannot be my disciples. What Jesus is saying over there is essentially that you, you cannot stay where you are and go with God at the same time. You cannot stay in your circumstances, you cannot stay in that little comfort setting or whatever it might be and move with God at the same time. How many of you here this morning have been asking God to speak to you? How many of you here this morning have been crying out to God perhaps and and you're saying, Lord, I I need to know what the calling is, I need to know what the plan is, I need to know what your purposes are. God, would you speak to me? Just wave your hands at me. I want to know if there's anybody who's like really... Okay, so there's a few people who are wanting God to speak to them. That's good. My question to you this morning is, how willing are you to make adjustments in your life in order for God to accomplish His purposes through you? How willing are you to make the changes that are necessary? Because that's what we see in Scripture. Every single time that God spoke to people about something that he wanted to do through them, major adjustments were necessary in their lives. They had to adjust their life to the purpose and plan of God. And only once they began to make those adjustments was God able to accomplish his purposes through those people who he had called. See, you cannot really be obedient to God if you are not adjusting your life to him. The way we demonstrate our faith is through what we do. Right? So, some action is required. Action is required. And that action consists of making those changes, of making those life adjustments and being obedient. Because when we adjust our lives to Jesus, when we adjust our lives, to his purposes and to his ways, when we get into this book and we and we begin to read about what it means to be a follower of Christ, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to find our lives in God, when we begin to adjust our lives in those ways, it places us in a position where obedience is just going to come easy. It places us in a position where we are able to obey. Making those adjustments prepare you for obedience. So this. A part that we have to play. I I say this quite often that that, um, you have a lot of say in how much of the activity of God is going to take place in your life. You've got a lot of say in that. And so you've actually got to make some adjustments. And when you begin to make those adjustments, it's going to prepare you for obedience. And so you can't continue your life as usual. You can't stay where you are and expect to be where God wants you to be at the same time. You can't stay where you are and go with God at the same time. It's it's, it's such a sad thing to see people, you know, come to a turning point in their lives. And I've seen a number of people where they've come to a place where where they believe that God is who he says he is. They come to a place where they say, no, I believe that God will do what he says he will do. But then they land up missing out on what God has got in store for their lives because they refuse to adjust their lives to him. They refuse to make the changes that are necessary to begin to follow Jesus. And it's even sadder to see it happen in the lives of people who once were making those kinds of changes, making those adjustments and walking in obedience to God. But then for whatever reason, their love for God has waned and they've stopped making those changes. They've stopped making those adjustments and they've missed out on what God has had planned for them. And so adjusting our lives to God means that our life is going to change. It means that life will not go on as usual. And that's something that we see throughout Scripture. You know, think of Noah. For Noah, he could not continue life as usual and build the ark at the same time. That guy had to make some huge changes in order to get that thing built. Think of Abram. Right, the father of the, of the faith. He couldn't stay in Ur or, or Haran and father a nation in Canaan at the same time. He had to move. He had to be obedient to God. He had to make the changes necessary to go with God. Moses could not stay out in the desert herding sheep and goats and stand before Pharaoh at the same time. He had to make some changes to carry out the plan of God for his life. David had to leave his sheep to go and become the king. Jonah had to leave his home. I mean, Jonah actually had to overcome a whole lot of prejudice in his life towards the citizens of Nineveh in order for him to go and actually end up preaching to, the, to them, doing what God wanted him to do. He had to overcome. He had to make some changes in his life. Think about the disciples, Peter, Andrew, James, and John. They had to leave their fishing business in order to follow Jesus. They actually had to say, right, that's done. We're going to follow you. Matthew, I mean, I love to think about Matthew. His name originally was Levi, and he was a tax collector. He had to leave his tax collector's booth. And tax collectors in those days were people of wealth. They had the money. He had to leave all of that wealth. He had to leave that generator of income behind to follow Jesus. And he made the changes. In fact, he changed his name. Matthew. Saul, another guy who changed his name. Later became Paul. He had to completely change the direction of his life in order to be used by God to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. And so big changes, big adjustments had to be made. People had to, when you read the scriptures, you see that people had to leave behind their families. People had to leave their countries behind in some cases. People had to drop their prejudices. They had to change their preferences. And throughout the history of the church, people have very often had to leave behind their life goals. They've had to leave behind their ideals and their desires. Because what God is looking for is complete surrender. Everything had to be yielded to God. Their whole lives had to be adjusted to God, their entire lives, for God to accomplish his purposes. And the moment that you see people making those changes, that you see people actually engaging and making the necessary adjustments, God began to accomplish his purposes through them. So often we as 21st century Christians, as followers of Jesus, will we'll, we'll read about these Bible characters, we'll read these stories, and very often we'll, we'll think, wow, God's never going to ask anything like that of me. God's never going to ask me to make those kinds of changes. God will never make ask me to make those kinds of adjustments. But really, we need to ask ourselves, if that's what's going through our mind, we need to ask ourselves, are we not actually just refusing to make the changes necessary? Are we not, are we not just refusing to make those adjustments? And so when we start thinking like that, we, we actually need to do a bit of heart examination. We need to ask ourselves whether we truly are surrendered to God, whether we truly are yielding our whole life to God. Am I really following Jesus? Because when you look to the Bible for an understanding of God, what you see is that God most definitely requires change in the lives of his people. He requires people to make adjustments in their lives. You know, the father even required major adjustments from his son. In 2 Corinthians 8 verses 9, the Apostle Paul writes this. He says, he's writing to the church at Corinth. And he says to this church at Corinth, he says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on and he says, Though he was rich, for your sake he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. What Paul was writing about there was the fact that Jesus had emptied himself of his position. He had emptied himself, he had left the glory of heaven in order to join the Father in providing redemption through his death on the cross. That was a major change. That, that was a major adjustment. In fact, Jesus had difficulty with it. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he, he, had a, he had a little debate going, a little argument going on with God. He said, if there's a way for me not to do this, if there's a way that this cup can pass and that I don't have to do this, please would you make it so? And eventually he came to the place of going, no, no, I'm going to, have to, I'm going to have to do this. I'm going to have to make the change in my thinking over here. And, and so if you, want to be a, if you want to be a true disciple, right, if you want to be a follower of Jesus, you and I, we also don't have any choice. We actually have to make changes in our lives. We have to sometimes make major adjustments in our lives in order to follow God. Following the master, following Jesus, requires change in your life. Because until you're ready to make any adjustment necessary to follow and obey what God has said, you're going to be of little use to God. Until you're ready to make those changes that God's asking you to change, God's not going to be able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish through you. In actual fact, your your greatest difficulty, your your biggest problem in following God might just be at the point of making that change, making that adjustment. It's really at that time when you need to make the change that God wants you to make so that you can stay the course in your walk with God. I want to quickly look this morning at two people who had to make some life adjustments to the ways of God. And I want to look at... um, they responded because God could see something in their lives. God could see that he could make use of them, that they could make a difference if they opened up their lives and surrendered their lives to him. God could use them in a mighty way. And so I want to look at two people here to see how they responded to the call of God on their lives. The first one is a guy named Elisha. Elisha was a farmer, but God could see that he could use this person to be a prophet. In fact, God's calling for his life was for him to be a prophet. And so uh, in 1 Kings uh, chapter 19, what we see over here is the prophet Elijah. And if you know the story, he'd fled from Jezebel and he was out in the wilderness in the caves uh, and he was crying out to God, the prophet Elijah was. Uh, The people of Israel had deserted God. They'd broken their covenant with God. And Elijah was saying, God, what am I going to do? What are you going to do with these people? How are we going to get these things sorted out? And you find God speaking to Elijah in this still, quiet voice. And God says to Elijah, he says, go back. Go and return by the way that you've come. Go back to the wilderness of Damascus. And, and God says to Elijah, when you arrive, I want you to anoint Hazael as king over Aram. Listen Elijah, we're going to make some changes over here because I'm going to deal with these disobedient, rebellious Israelites. So when you arrive, I want you to anoint Hazael as king over Aram and then I want you to anoint Jehu, the son of Nimshi, as king over Israel and then I want you to anoint Elisha, the son of Shaphat from Abel Mahola. How's my pronunciation there, right? I want you to anoint Elisha as a prophet in your place. And then we get into some stuff which we're not going to talk about this morning, but it's pretty gruesome. God says to Elijah, Jehu is going to put to death whoever escapes the sword of Hazael. In other words, Hazael is going to be king of Aram, and these blinking disobedient Israelites, I'm going to deal with them. He's going to deal with them with a sword. And anyone who escapes his sword, well then, Jehu's going to get them. And if they escape Jehu's sword, well then they will be taken out by Elisha. It's pretty much, it's pretty violent. We'll talk about it another day. And then God says to Elijah, he says, but I'll leave 7,000 in Israel, 7,000. Those who have not bowed their knee to Baal, those who have not kissed him him with their mouth. And so Elijah hears God speak to him and Elijah leaves and and he goes and, and the text tells us that he finds Elisha the son of Shaphat, as he was plowing. So Elisha was a farmer. He had 12 teams of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12th team, and Elijah walks by him and throws his mantle over him. In other words, there must have been some garment, some kind of cloak that Elijah would, 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 was wearing that, would, that, that marked him out as a prophet, that marked him out as a, as, as a, as a, as a special um, representative of God. So Elijah comes and he takes that mantle, he takes that cloak and he throws it over Elisha as he walks by. And the scripture says that Elisha immediately left the oxen and he ran to follow Elijah. You can imagine Elisha going, What me? You're calling me? You want me to be like you? Because that's exactly that's the significance here. Elijah is throwing his mantle onto Elisha, and Elisha's going, You want I can be like you? And uh, he goes to Elijah and he says, listen, can I just first go and say goodbye to my parents, my father and my mother? I was going kiss them and then I'm gonna, I'll, I'll come back and follow you. And, and Elijah looks at him and Elijah's like, well, you know, what have I done to you? You've got to do what you've got to do. And so Elisha turns back from following him. And here's what Elisha does. So Elisha knows that God has called him. Elijah has come and thrown his mantle upon him. Elisha knows that this is an invitation to follow Elijah, to become like Elijah, to be a prophet like Elijah. And here's what Elisha does in response to God's calling over his life. He turns back from Elijah, he goes to his team of oxen, and he slaughters the lot of them. And he takes the wooden yokes, he takes the plow, he cooks up the meat, he uses the wood to make a massive fire, cooks up the meat, gives it to the people, and they eat. And then he leaves and he follows Elijah and he begins to serve Elijah. So that's one individual who God wants to use in a mighty way. Let's look at another person who God could have used in a mighty way. Let's go to Luke chapter 18. And we'll look at a guy who we know is the rich young ruler. So Jesus is ministering and this young prince, this young ruler comes to him. Now this young man would have probably come from a very influential family. He would have uh, had power and wealth he had a whole career path in in front of him this 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 guy was somebody important and so this young ruler comes to jesus and he says good teacher what must i do to inherit eternal life and jesus looks at him and says why do you call me good he says no one is good except god alone uh, in fact he uh, it's quite beautiful those words because jesus was saying uh, uh, I'm, i am i am good but it's not just me, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, we are good. So he says, why do you call me good? Don't just look at me. Um, but Jesus says to this ruler, he says, you know the commandments. You want to inherit eternal life? You know the commandments. Don't commit adultery. Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. And this, this young ruler says to Jesus, well, I've, I've done all of that. I've kept all of those commandments since the time that I was a youngster. And then when Jesus heard this, he says to him, you still lack one thing. Sell everything that you have and distribute it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. Sell everything that you have, give it to the poor and you'll have eternal life. Come and follow me. Jesus probably could see in this man something. Because he said to the disciples, come and follow me. And to this young ruler, he says, come and follow me. Jesus could see some potential in this guy, a purpose of God in this guy. But after this guy heard what Jesus said, the text says he became extremely sad because he was very rich, very rich. And seeing that he became sad, Jesus said, how hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. He says, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And then those who heard him asked, well, you know, is it possible for anyone to be saved? Who can be saved? And Jesus says, what's impossible with man is possible with God. So this, this, this young ruler wanted eternal life. But he didn't want to make the adjustments necessary. He didn't want to make the changes necessary and adjust his life to Jesus because his money and his wealth were more important and Jesus knew it Jesus knew that this man could not love God completely and wholly and love his money and his wealth at the same time the two just don't go together and so Jesus asks him to set aside the thing in his life that has become his God His wealth has become his God. And Jesus says, I want you to set that aside. And this young ruler refuses to make the necessary adjustment. And he misses out on experiencing eternal life. Because his love of money, his love of wealth, his greed had made him an idolater. And so he misses out on coming to know the true God, Jesus Christ, whom God had sent. He wanted eternal life, but he refused to make the necessary adjustments in his life, in order to follow Jesus. Elisha, on the other hand, responded very differently, didn't he? He had to leave his family. He had to leave his farming career in order to follow God's call. Have any of you ever heard that phrase, "Don't, don't burn your bridges?" You leave a company or something you say, don't burn your bridges." You know Well, this, Elisha goes and burns everything. He burns the bridges, right? He burns everything that's going to tempt him from the calling of God on his life. He burns his farm equipment, he kills the oxen, he he cooks the meat, he feeds it up to the community. There's no way that he's going to turn back. And you see, when Elisha made those adjustments, he put himself in a position to obey God. And as a result, God worked through Elisha to perform some of the greatest signs and miracles that you read about in the Old Testament. Elisha had to make those adjustments. And when he made those adjustments, God was able to work through him to accomplish amazing things. You know, the more you surrender your life to God, the more you are open to making those changes, the more you make those adjustments in your walk with God and are obedient to him, there's no telling of what God can do in and through your life. Sometimes when God speaks to us um, and what God calls us to or asks us to do, sometimes they God-sized dimensions. It's like, really? That's what you want me to do? And, and, And often what people do is they kind of hesitate, like Eugene and Marcel. Did you hesitate about Esperance? A little bit. But then they made the adjustments because they know that God's in this. But sometimes people hesitate. Sometimes they hit a crisis of faith. You know, It shakes their faith. And sadly, sometimes when God puts that call out there, it's a, it's a God-sized project. Sometimes people fall away because they just, they just can't make the changes necessary. But actually what we need to do is we need to do what Eugene and Marcel have done. We need to respond with faith. And we demonstrate our faith with action. And we adjust our life to what God wants. And we become obedient to what God is wanting to do in and through our lives. The best example for me in, this, in recent times is this church. Three years ago, this time, Eugene, Chi, and I were sitting down and having coffee on a regular basis and seeking God about starting a church it was COVID. It was lockdowns. Most churches were Zooming their services. Who in their right minds is going to start a church in an environment like that? And we felt that calling, we felt God was saying this is what you need to do. And so we began to make the adjustments necessary. We were obedient. And here we are almost three years down the line in the life of this church and I'm always amazed at how beautiful you are. Just take a look around. Seriously, take a look around. Look at what God has put together. God has has put this community of people together. And it is a wonderful community of people. Oftentimes I leave our gatherings on Sundays and I go, God, there's some amazing people in our church. You're doing something amazing. I look at the lives of people and what God's doing and the changes and I go, God, you're doing something amazing. God is doing something very special in this church community. And I want to tell you something this morning. God is not finished. He's not finished. I believe that God is wanting to add many more people to this church family. I know from the bottom of my heart that God wants to meet with people who do not yet know him. God wants those people to encounter him. The living God. I know that. I know that God wants to be a greater friend to those who hardly know him. I know that. So I know that God's doing something special in this church. Renew. I I just know it. But we wouldn't be here if we'd looked at it and said, it's COVID, churches are in decline, attendance is in decline. No, we can't do it. Now's the wrong time. You would have all been somewhere else today. Some of you probably sleeping late. Some of you in a church congregation somewhere perhaps. But because we made the adjustments and we're obedient, God has begun to do something amazing through Renew. And God wants to continue to do a work through this church. But you know something? If you're a part of Renew, then you've stepped into the God-sized project over here. You've got to begin to exercise your faith because God's wanting to use you for the purposes of building this church community and bringing about his purposes through this church. And we demonstrate our faith with action, don't we? So we've actually got to stretch ourselves a little bit. We've got to actually put ourselves out there and invite people to our church community. We've got to stretch ourselves and contribute to this church in our serving, in our giving, in our love, in our friendship. We've we've got to get to the point of vulnerability where we confess to others what's going on in our lives. We've got to learn. We've got to grow. So we've got to stretch ourselves. We demonstrate our faith through action. And I think if we do that and if we're obedient in that, I'm 99.9% sure that in years to come we're going to stand back and we're going to go, look at what God's done. Look at what God's done. But let me come back to you for a moment. What kind of adjustments is God asking of you today? What is What change in your life is God requiring of you? Has the Holy Spirit been prompting you in any way recently? or Have you been like me? Because for a long time now, I'm lying in my bed at night, and I wake up, and I sense the Spirit of God saying, Andrew, you've got to make a change there. Andrew, you've got to make an adjustment there. Has the Holy Spirit been prompting you in any way? In your circumstances, maybe, your job, your home, your finances? You've just kind of sensed that voice going, that's got to change. Is it in your relationships, perhaps, your, your, your family, your friends, your colleagues? God's going, hey, that's got to change. Is it in your thinking, maybe? God's saying, you know, you've got some prejudices that need to be sorted out. Your methodology of going about life needs to change a bit. Or maybe God's saying, hey, you've been shrinking back a little bit, but you need to make changes because there's potential in you. Maybe it's in your commitments to, fa- to family or, or, or church or you know, your job or your plans or your traditions, and God's going, some change is required. Or in your actions, you know, how you pray or how you give or how you serve others. Maybe God's saying, some things are got to change maybe that that voice that quiet voice is whispering to you and god saying you've got to make some changes about your understanding of who i am of my purposes of my ways of your relationship to me you know sometimes making those adjustments can involve several areas all at once if you think of peter the apostle peter the disciple who became the apostle peter he he had to make some adjustments in his, in his uh, relationship with the Gentiles. This guy had grown up as a Jew. And here God's going, I'm here to reach the whole world. And Peter's got to change his thinking. He's got to change his beliefs about what is clean and unclean. For so long he'd grown up as a Jew and he's like, well, this is clean and I can eat that and that's unclean and I can't eat that. And God's going, no, <laughs> come on, I've got to change your thinking over here. He had to change uh, his idea of what it meant to be committed to the traditions of the Jews and then his actions regarding his fellowship with the Gentiles. So sometimes it's a bunch of things that God's going, this has got to change. But let me just tell you something this morning. Being able to name the adjustment is not as important as identifying that change that God wants you to make to him. That change that God wants you to make to his purposes, to his ways. And you know something else? Sometimes God requires adjustments in your life, in areas of your life that you've never ever really considered or that you've never been open to in the past. I don't know if you, in your experience as a Christian, have ever heard somebody say something like this, Don't ever tell God something that you're not going to do because that's what he's going to make you do. Have you ever heard anything like that? Don't ever tell God that you're never going to do that because that's exactly what God's going to bring you to. I know many, many people who've heard those kinds of words. I have. And there is some truth in it. The big thing is that God's not wanting to make us squirm, right? God's not wanting to put us under the, the pump and like go, like, I'm going to get you. That's not what God's intention is. But God does want to be the Lord of your life. And so whenever you identify a place in your life where you have been refusing to allow his lordship, very often that is a place that God will begin to start some work in your life. Because God is interested in absolute surrender. And God's going to keep on working in your life and my life through the Holy Spirit until we are willing to make Him Lord of everything. Everything. And God's going to do that because He loves us. He loves you. And His will is the best always for you. Any adjustment that God expects you to make in your life, any change in your life, is for your good. And you know, as you begin to follow Jesus, the time might come that your life and maybe even your future is going to depend on adjusting very quickly to his directives. And the adjusting is always to God. It's always to God. It's, it's, it's adjusting your view to his view. It's adjusting your ways to his ways. And after you make those adjustments, it puts you in that position where you're ready and able to obey him. And when you obey God, you're going to experience God doing something in and through your life that only God can do. But you cannot stay where you are and go with God in obedience to his will. Can't happen. Adjustments have to come first. Changes have to come first. And then you follow in obedience. When you're willing to surrender everything in your life, even if you've got to burn your bridges, when you surrender everything in your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, you'll find, just like Elisha did, that those adjustments, those changes, were well worth making because of the experience of God through that. You know, if you're here this morning and you've never come to a place of surrendering your life to God, you've never come to a place of going, you know what, God, I'm, I'm just going to I'm going to commit my life to you. My encouragement to you is is why not why not do it? Why not begin to make the change? Why not decide today to take up your cross and follow him? Transformation comes through surrender to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Surrender Amen.